0: Identity and faith can be a huge inspiration for a developer. Finding the best way to present that message can take some time, though. This week, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Lilith about her game, Starlight Burnout, that explores fun, identity, and how faith can inspire a game. Welcome to Scheduled for Launch, a podcast to discover projects you may not have heard about or missed. I'm joined this week with Lilith to talk about... uh, Hi! Uh, We're going to be talking about Starlight Burnout today. I'm actually really excited about this one. It's still
1: still pretty new in the works, isn't it, though? Very. I just finished the combat system a few days ago, so it's like break time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's still very early in the works.
0: Yeah, but that that's okay. But before we really dive really deep into Starlight Burnout, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Lilith?
1: Yes, of course. Um I'm Lilith. I am a Jewish, trans and Jewish uh game developer and pixel artist and musician. I do all of the things. I am currently working on Starlight Burnout, uh, which is a we're currently workshopping what genre it is, but right now kind of feeling the sci-fi kosher punk.
0: Is is that what the, the genre is
1: called? Kosher punk? Or is uh, that what
0: you like to call it?
1: The genre doesn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: it. I've read through the book a little bit. It's super mm-hmm. cool so far. Um That's good. so yeah, what is Starlight Burnout outside of just being a kosher punk game?
1: So Starlight Burnout is a tabletop RPG kind of similar to Dungeons and Dragons or like one of your previous guests, Wildevere, where You play as characters, you have the GM who does all the story stuff and you go around and you like dig up artifacts from the various planets and that's how the characters are kind of supposed to, to, to make a living and you tell a story through that.
0: So it's, it's group storytelling
1: at its, at its heart that, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. There's one thing that I at least I hope it will. Starlight Burnout is currently a sci-fi game and it's promising some pretty big adventure. Like you said, it's it's like being archaeologists.
1: It's um so so the the gameplay actually comes from the very Jewish pastime of genealogy. Oh, okay. Um, but I wanted to have it be in a more tangential form, and the more tangential form of genealogy is just archaeology, yeah, or anthroarchaeology, I guess would be the word. So,
0: some people might not know too much about what genealogy is. Could you actually just give a, a little summary? I know it's that's an oversimplification, but
1: yeah. So genealogy is basically studying your family, like family history. The reason why it is a big Jewish pastime is uh the big thing that happened in Europe 80 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of important. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, of course, when I say big Jewish pastime, I am specifically referring to European Ashkenazi Jewish pastime. Okay. So, but it it's also kind of a thing for the other Isparas, um, because kinda happens a lot, gonna be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it's just the simple studying of your family tree that's actually really cool
0: yeah i like that so that was actually one of the i think that was the main reason you approached me with this uh, earlier in may uh we wanted to try and get this out as we wanted to try and get it out in may but just because of how things lined up it just wasn't possible for me so we're this coming out on june 1st um yes and for those of you who don't those of you who don't know uh, may is jewish heritage month yep. so this this is kind of like a i i wanted to feature something and when lilith told me about it i thought it would be kind of something cool to to bring out there but yeah. let's yeah let's get into to starlight burnout a little heavier so one yeah, thing nice. i one thing i really like about this game is your origins are so cool you yeah. have seven that are written in the version that you gave me right now um there are the Carcossians. Uh, Is that what how it's pronounced? They're they're the un, the undead people. Yeah, Carcossians. Carcossians. Okay. And then my my personal favorite's the the plant people, the uh, the Yadu.
1: Yes, the Yadu.
0: And w- I'm guessing just based on kind of how you said this, but where where's the inspiration for these uh, these different origins?
1: So. A good number of the origins are a fairly simple combination of like just your general fantasy tropes. Mm-hmm. For instance, in the book, uh, one of the more common origins is the Ifusium, which are essentially your elves. Okay. Um, Ifusium is a made up word that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so there is a big chance that in the proper release they aren't called Ephusians. But that's why I've been calling them and I really can't figure out any other name for them because elves aren't innately Jewish. But that is not the case for other origins. For instance, like you mentioned the plant people called the Yadu comes from A myth kinda kinda uh from from a from a Jewish myth that basically said, Hey, before God created humans, they created these weird plant monkeys. Oh. Yeah, called the uh Yadua. Okay. Or something similar to them. But um And so it's like, okay, that's a cool thing. But my uh, creative process is very strange where I'll usually come up with an idea first and then meld it to something from a mythology. So I actually had the idea of plant people way before that. Um, And they turned into that idea.
0: That is something that also that's like just really cool about this system. I feel like I love mythology and demonology and folk tales a lot. And mm-hmm. some like, well, your name for instance, Lilith. Like a lot of people don't realize that's old. I mean, there's that's
1: there's an old the, Jew thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's so much untapped cool stuff in the, yeah. the Jewish mythology, and a lot of people know some of them, like Golems, for instance, or Golems, um, yeah. depending on how you pronounce them. Just There's there's a lot of cool stuff in there, but I feel like people just pick and choose and don't really get deep down into there. So I think that Starlight Burnout's a, a chance to see some of the that cooler stuff kind of pull up a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of the primary reason why I wanted to make it its own game is because of that lack of actual, like, uh, Jewish representation in the tabletop RPG space. And that, and what we do get is often like anti Semitic caricatures, goblins, goblins. You could, there's a lot you can make a stretch for, like you could say gnomes, dwarves. With with those two, it's really the short men with big noses kind of thing. It's when you don't know what you're looking for, you won't notice it. But once you like know what you're looking for, you'll be like, oh, okay. Now is most of it like on purpose. No, probably not. I think that should be like blanketed. Like I don't think gnomes and dwarves and such are like purposely bad. It's just the uh, the kind of like oopsie. It's something that
0: started a long time ago. It's been kind of watered down a lot to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand yeah. that.
1: And so I wanted to provide kind of a big space to where the Jewish like icons and mythological monsters and stuff like that can actually like shine a little bit. Because there's a lot that kind of is like peeking through, Mm -hmm. but I want to like break open the rock and you know, boom! There's a a crystal, yeah, and yeah, that sort of deal.
0: There's a lot to play with. That's certainly for sure. Even what what limited knowledge I know, there's like entire slates of archangels that most people have never heard of. Yeah. So actually, one of the games you mentioned earlier is how we met, and that's Wilderveer. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, there is some influence in this. One of those being the the dice system uh, at the moment the the
1: growing dice and that's um,
0: something oh is it has that changed now
1: huh oh no it's it's more so i think me and will had that idea from the same point of inspiration oh probably um, it's a
0: really good system that i feel like it's kind of untapped right
1: now <laughs> right it's um the way I, uh, My game does it a little bit differently than Wildevere is that instead of rolling the skilled dice with a D20, you're rolling two skilled dice. Okay. Um. So it's, it's, it's a weird kind of middle ground between like dice pooling and a D20 or a 2d6 system. Okay. So it's like, I don't know what to call it. What <laughs> was there an inspiration
0: for that then that helped you build it? Or is it just kind of like something that you workshopped and thought might work for this?
1: Um, the core concept came from, uh, I was looking at one of the betas that uh purple aether put out for a game. Okay. That had a basic system of you have your attributes, which have a dice in them each, and you have your skills, which have a different dice in them, and you'd roll them together whenever you'd make a check. I basically kind of took that idea and ran with it, mm-hmm. basically building the entire game around this idea of you are using an attribute dice and a skill dice. Okay. To do things
0: all right that makes sense
1: yeah
0: speaking of rules i adore how starlight burnout opens um it (laughs) opens up with the olivia hill rule for those of you out there who don't know uh oversimplifications no fascists allowed yeah Uh, clearly i'm not one who's gonna stand beside racists or bigots or any other ism (laughs) that's yeah negatively affecting how other people live. Yeah. Uh, really powerful statement to open up with it. Oh yeah. It's really the first thing you see when you come into Starlight burnout and I think it really sets the tone.
1: Yes. So the rule actually wasn't originally in there um uh, but I like I saw it while scrolling through my like Twitter feed and it's like no that that should that should be in there because there it's the, the game, the setting that I'm trying to, or the setting and culture around the game that I'm trying to set is one as accepting intolerance to everything, but intolerance, which I think needs to be more apparent. In the tabletop scene. Yeah. It's you're playing a game where you. The characters are more or less living underneath this like. Very cyberpunk dystopian future. That's painted to be very bright and very colorful. But. When you like get get a little bit deeper you realize. Oh this is this game is really grim mm. um, because now it's not in the game in the in the core rule book just yet but my idea is that you are scavenging the ruins of this some like kind of precursor civilization okay Uh, that originally inhabited the system and colonized throughout the worlds. And this, uh, precursor civilization is completely gone. By the time you are playing the game and you're scavenging through these ruins to find anything that may be worth a value so you can eat and feed your family or whatever for the next little bit. Okay. So
0: it, not not to pull it out and like make just like a comparison, but it'd kind of be like if uh, people were stealing, like um, how were they called? The, the Prothean relics from mass effect.
1: Is that? Yeah, I I think I'm not familiar with mass effect. So oh,
0: it's, it's, I like it.
1: I like it a lot. <laughs> I've, I've heard it's good. Oh, the, uh,
0: Legacy Collection comes out tomorrow, so... <laughs>
1: Ooh.
0: Yep. Um, so actually, something I wanted to, to touch up on this, uh, and you happened to bring it up, was changes in the TTRPG community. Yes. Uh, climate relating to acceptance and just generally having people of different race, color, creed, mm-hmm. sexuality, gender, identity. Um, mm-hmm. In general, just being around. They're Obviously, there's been some change in some areas, and some very vocal pushbacks. I'm also, i have also, I mean, like I've honestly noticed a lot more positivity from the the indie side of things. But as a trans woman, can
1: you kind of tell me your take on on that? So, I am of the opinion that the more inclusive a place is, the just general more fun people will have. Mm -hmm. And this isn't and I don't mean like, oh, you need to exclude like grimdark settings or whatever. But it's the simple acknowledgement of this is a industry and a culture that is built up largely around like one company. Yeah. And that company is in simplest terms not very good
0: yeah they (laughs) there's been especially recently as of recording there's been some stuff that have been popping up oh see i don't even know about
1: (laughs) that but it's yeah
0: i mean we we can talk about the big one a little bit um and just yeah but the bigger companies though they are kind of skirting around things or mistreating certain groups of people or that or Half-assed fixes. Oh yeah. Is also an issue.
1: It's yeah. It's it's nice to see that there's like an attempt, but like come on guys, you aren't even trying. Sort of deal. And the backlash of it is very like gross. Mm -hmm. It's and it's very like ah, so there's that um, yeehaw. <laughs> 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 oh, but like let's let's not
0: focus on on the negative for that yeah. right now. What what's some of the positive change that you've seen though?
1: Um, so definitely in in the process of making uh this game for i think i've properly started making the game like six ish months ago something like that Mm -hmm. um i have been getting more and more into the indie scene of things and it has been very it's been very like lovely and nice and seeing people express themselves through a game that is or through a number of games that is essentially play pretend, but here's a couple of rules and you roll dice sometimes and making the most of the whole thing and exploring what these games can explore. Uh, which I think is like the big thing. It's, uh, as, as someone who's like found my queer identity through these games, it's very important for me, at least to give that space to other people Mm -hmm. because there's nothing, there's no better way to explore yourself by pretending to be someone else, especially when that someone else is a made up character for a game in a made up world.
0: You're not the first person that I've had come on and actually I've, I've heard that from whether it's off mic or on mic, it's, it's been a couple of people have talked about it on mic. Uh, It's, it's something that I'm seeing more frequently in the playing game community. And I think it's, it's really important.
1: Yeah. And it's very, it's very nice to see baby, baby gaze learn, and understand themselves through projecting bits and pieces of themselves into like a fantasy or sci-fi setting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, as a game creator really enjoy that kind of world building aspect of what, what is this society's views on gender, you know, in this fantasy world. Um, For instance, the Golgi, which are the funny fish people.
0: Yes, I really like them, too.
1: um, Or funny koi fish people, I should say, have a society built around a a, a gender tri-mary. Okay. um, Where you have the na, the nu, and then the duh. Um, as like the three big recognized genders. Um, you have the Afusians and the Diffusians who, for lack of a better word, everyone is trans because when they're born, they're completely like sexless. They have no sex characteristics whatsoever, but once they get, like that kind of like point in age, there's like this big ceremony where they more or less pick what their gender is or the various combinations between the two. And, you know, then that opens up a very interesting question. What does it mean to be trans in a society where everyone picks their gender? As well sometimes people are fluid sometimes people change their perspective of things or whatever it may be um
0: <laughs> <laughs> they they are I think honestly if I was going to sit down and play this game, I would definitely look into the uh Ifusian or uh because i think that they are just such a an interesting difference yeah towards a lot of the other races you get out there um
1: yeah and they're essentially elves and drow yeah Uh, that's originally what they were when uh the setting was in pathfinder and that's kind of what they are except aesthetically a little bit different Yeah. Um, Less spiders, more crows and ravens. Oh, my favorite. (laughs) Of course.
0: I love them. I love them so much. Um, You also have a fairly extensive list on the homeworlds for these planets. They are flushed out uh, surprisingly well for how early into development you still are. Um, Yes. (laughs) Can you do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what planets and where you come from? help you do in this game
1: so in this game there aren't classes like your other traditional uh, tabletop games instead the big two things that you pick besides your skill and equipment is your origin which is what this game more or less calls it its races yeah i use the term origin here because Not everything is either a living thing or an animal or whatever. And so origin is the best kind of blanket term that you can describe to all of these other than like group or peoples. So you pick one of the seven that there currently are. And then once you pick that, you can pick your home world Um, or slash home city. There are some areas within the game that are less of a planet and more of a massive city. So you have various places. You have nice diverse planets and space stations and cities that you can pick from and they basically give you a passive ability of like, and this part, this part was inspired by uh Wild specifically because it's, sh- it's such a, it's a really good. So you have places like Gorth, which is kind of like, a water planet, that's the homeworld of the Golgis. But I made a very conscious decision to say, hey, this is the homeworld of or this is this origin's homeworld, but not requiring it that you have to be from that homeworld. Okay. Um because that, that kind of customization, that freedom to be who you want to be and wherever you want to be from super important in these
0: games yeah you had mentioned that there are no classes in this game and instead you choose weapons skills and equipment yes there's also a magic system in this so can you explain a little bit how that is working so far
1: um so the basic idea is that because this is a sci-fi setting. There, you can easily, if you have the money, obtain a lot of skills through either training or just practicing them or whatever it may be. Um Originally, so much earlier in the development, I was like, yeah, there's going to be professions and there's going to be a whole perk system. But I decided to drop that because one, I didn't want the game to be too combat focused and I realized I was falling to a kind of pit trap of all of these abilities are combat focused. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no, I won't do it. Secondly, I just had trouble coming up with like a million different like
0: abilities. A million different ways to say you stab it.
1: Yeah. Or like a million different ways to say, yeah, you can grow a plant or you shoot some fire. (laughs) So I opted for the much simpler approach of just make magic a skill that anyone can learn. And you know, there's, there's greater consequences of like, well, where is this magic coming from? Et cetera, et cetera. And my answer to that is, who knows? Well, that's for you to find out. Yeah, there's lore. Find the lore. <laughs> um, And I eventually decided on the magic system that I have because I liked the idea of having specific spells, mm-hmm. but I didn't like how in games like 5th edition and Pathfinder, how restrictive each spell was okay what is the point of having like 10 different fire spells when they ultimately all do the same thing in slightly different ways when you could just have one spell that's like pyromancy and you know tell the players be creative with your spells And a a lot of this idea would come from me and the various ways I would flavor those spells in uh, the other games like fifth edition or pathfinder. And I just kind of got that, that nagging urge of saying, what's the point of having like all of these different spells when I could just say, I do fungus magic. What does fungus magic entails? Probably fungus. Fungus magic. Yeah. (laughs) Fungus stuff. Ranging from the basic, like, oh, grow big mushroom. Or, like, quickly decomposing a corpse. To, instead of decomposing that corpse, controlling the corpse with, like, fungus spores.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool idea, actually. I really like that. So we don't have a whole lot of time left, Lilith. But oh. I would, yeah, we've actually been going for just just under 30 minutes after we cut out what, all our, our little problems we've had. Oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Uh, COVID-19, how has that affected you and the development of
1: Starlight Burnout? Um, well, so the setting of Starlight is something I've been working on for, like, a few years now. Um, But the actual game itself didn't start, I didn't start working on until, like, a few months ago. And I would probably say that the game wouldn't exist if it weren't for COVID like pretty solidly because mostly because i just wouldn't have the time to like sink into it and also i don't think i would necessarily be the exact same person i you know my egg cracked during covid so it's like this game wouldn't have been made the way it is but it has been made you know without all of these events that have happened because of covid Covid has kind of let me look, uh, like play these ty- types of games a lot more, and when I have that mo- much more like time and energy to play these games, I started thinking more critically about these games, about you know the various mechanical stuffs of them, the the options you have as someone who. Played fifth edition for a little bit, dropped it and started playing pathfinder and then, you know, started making my own game. It has been very like very eye opening on the, the weird things that specifically fifth edition does that have kind of made me, uh, look at these games in a more critical manner what is this game doing and how can I, could I improve upon it or something along those lines? You're reverse engineering to make something you want to play. Exactly. And that's kind. So actually fun fact, I technically have two games in the works Oh, where it's, the sci-fi game starlight burnout and then a more fantasy game that I'm calling right now. I'm just calling the old paths. It might change, but it oh, started talk about that. Yeah. It, it, that whole thing started from me saying, wow, fifth edition, like all the fifth edition things are kind of poorly written. And, you know, kind of started, like, reverse engineering the things in the game to then, like, make a more fun and unique version of it. And it's like, you know, I just kind of thought to myself of, what is the point of rewriting a game when I could just write a whole new game? Yeah. Uh, and so I plan on using the same basic core mechanics of Starlight Burnout but in a more traditional quote unquote traditional fantasy setting. Uh just just to make like a a fantasy counterpart, the Pathfinder to the Starfinder, if you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, once uh, once you get that a little bit more down and leveled and written out, we'll have to have you back. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So, our last big question for the night, and you've mentioned that you've listened to a couple of these episodes, uh, what kind of advice would you give a creator who sits down and goes, "I want to make this game, but I don't know where to start?"
1: Um, I would say the first thing and probably the best thing to do and understand is look at something that you like or that you do a lot, and like the various hobbies and think, how would I do this? A lot of my games started from looking at games like Starfinder or fifth edition and saying to myself, how would I do this? And going on from there, like explore that too. And just kinda see what you like and you dislike. Uh, don't don't be afraid to drop a whole thing if you aren't vibing with it anymore. It's like three pieces of a bias. It's cheating. <laughs>
0: no, that's, that's not cheating at all. That's, that's good. Uh, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Lilith, it's, it's been great having you on. Where can people find out more about you and what you do, your art and uh,
1: starlight burnout? Um so the best place to to look at my stuff is my Twitter account which is bluej itch uh no e <laughs> in bluej um and also probably my Discord server or other various servers that I might be on like the wild of year server But the Discord server is the one where I am hosting the playtests and where you can find the prototype core rulebook for uh, eventually what will be both games. Oh, perfect.
0: It's Yeah, those are going to be linked in the description down below. So you guys will have to go and check it out for yourselves. Uh, Lilith is great to talk to, especially when it comes to mythology and culture. It's a lot of fun yeah all right well (laughs) all right well thank you so much lilith for coming on to the show thank you for having me yeah it's been an absolute pleasure everybody out there i hope you have a good night lilith and starlight burnout are scheduled for launch very soon take care Thank you so much to Lilith for coming on to the show this week. Starlight Burnout is beginning to shape up to be this really uniquely themed game, and I really think you should go check it out for yourself. But I really want to thank you all. As of recording this, we have just over 200 listens, and that wouldn't have been possible without all of you. June is going to be a little bit of the celebration of this, so I'm going to be releasing an episode each week just to kind of celebrate everything that you've all done and kind of help me get this far. There's a lot of really cool things coming out this summer, so I really want to feature them. I also want to give a quick shout-out to our friends of the show over at Pot of Blunders. It's an actual play podcast filled with goofs and gags, and they recently had me appear as a guest NPC voice on one of their episodes. That kind of helped me scratch that voice acting itch I've always had, so please go give them a listen. If you want to hear more from the show, the best way to kind of prompt me on what you want to hear is to share this or interact on some of our social medias. The next episode will be out on June 8th, and I'm going to be speaking with Brian LeBurn about his sci-fi opera game, Sapiens. See you there.